0: Dennis, it's a pleasure having you back again. Um, I know we've had several conversations uh, both here as well as on the phone um, talking about your journey. And what I'd like to do today, what I would love to understand is the progress of your journey, where it started, how it started, each of the steps you've taken and how they've been effective. I guess what what would get out of it, what the audience would get out of it, I would imagine would be hearing the things that worked for you, that they are possibly going through and understanding that some things will take some time to see results, other things, you may see results a lot quicker. Yeah. And to get an understanding of where your grounding came from, to allow you to continue to move forward, the things that continue to make you say, you know what, I still need help. I still need to move forward. I still need progress. I, I'm, I'm not done. Um, because I'm sure there are people out there that are thinking to themselves, I'll just do this and then I'm done. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure what an understanding they need to have is you're never done. Correct. You may feel better. You may be in a better place, but things may drag you back. Things may pull at you. Things may trigger a memory, a feeling. And It's getting a grasp of those events as well, and those triggers as well, and those those external things that you can put in place inside yourself, or the things that you can do for yourself that make it easier to get through that, to transition beyond that, to kind of take your next steps and move you forward. And given the history that you have, that uh, the audience has listened to the original interview, and we know what you've been through in your life, to start you off with where your journey began so what was that that first initial moment in your life where you thought to yourself you know what this isn't normal what i'm feeling what i'm experiencing what i'm going through is not normal and i need help that i can't give myself so if you could take us back there if it if it's too much i I want you to put the flag up and say you know i don't want to go any further on this conversation just let me know not at all it's actually it's actually
1: important to talk about um throughout the years since about the year 2000 i have placed myself in the you know psychiatric facility whether that would be inpatient or outpatient through a day program many 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 times and every time i would do it it would give me some some sense of relief for a little while and then it would just all come back. So you know I would I would start to learn a few skills. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, one of the first things that that worked for me was uh, art and writing. Um, we learned to like journal, you know, write down your feelings, you know and that kind of stuff, which really, really was helpful because in the moment, when you're feeling, I mean, just enormous depression or enormous sadness or enormous anxiety, and and you don't even want to move, being able to take that moment and just scribble down on a piece of paper, you know, I love this, I hate this, um, this is wrong today, um, I can't believe that person did this, wh- whatever is running through your system. Because, you know, ultimately, I always thought there has to be a way that I can get past this. You know, it was no matter what amount of medicines the doctors gave me, no matter what amount of therapy I was doing, from regular talk therapy, to group therapy, to art therapy, to what's called EMDR, I think, which is kind of like a your, uh, your, it's an eye movement tapping type thing that helps you know bring back memories and stuff like that. Um, nothing really seemed to work, and I think why that was was because I was relying on someone else to totally fix me. You know, it was like it was like you know, oh. I've got a tummy ache. Let me take some Tums and I'll feel better. Mm. That was kind of, you know, that was kind of the trap that I was falling in was, oh, well, I'll just go this one more time. And this one more time, they're going to get everything figured out and I'm going to feel better. And then, you know, a month later, I would be laying on the couch, not, not able to do dishes or sweep or even talk to anyone because you were just, just so down and so drawn out, but because of years and years and years of practice, I was able to act my way out of that a lot of the times. And when I realized finally that I I couldn't act anymore, yes, the doctors and the psychologists and the therapists and all that kind of stuff, were they helpful of Obvi- it? I mean, yes, very much so. But were they the whole answer and they were not. They were not the whole answer. And it wasn't it wasn't until I had a kind of a, I, I want to say a death in the family. I, I had a friend from the first day of college in 1992 that we've been we went through everything together. And in June of 2000, or 2020, He passed away in a motorcycle accident. In September of 2020 is when I realized that it's time for me to step up and start understanding how I'm feeling and not just letting other people tell me how I'm feeling. You know, um, there was a, a long, long time where it felt very hopeless. You, you know, I mean, because things would be really bad, and then they would get better. And then you, you know, oh, I'm, I'm doing great, and everybody loves me, and I love everybody else. And and the next thing you know, you can't get up in the morning to get out of bed, because you're just so down. And then your anxiety kicks in. And then you don't want to live anymore. And then it just, you know, it's just this vicious and then, and then, and then, and then then kind of thing. Um, But after my my best friend passed away, it was really, I have to take charge of my life mentally, spiritually, uh, philosophically, religion-wise first, and then work on getting my health, my physical health in line so that I wouldn't keep slowly killing myself, you know, um, by the smoking or drinking or food or sugar or, you know, you know, whatever those, you know, those types of things. Um, So that was like the first real step to my healing process that seemed to work the best for me was realizing that I needed to also step up and not and, and understand what's going on and why things are going on not just flippantly going through life taking pills so so between 1999
0: 2000 which was the first time that you went to the hospital and yeah. 2020 mm-hmm. you were going through the process of being evaluated and taking steps that were being assigned to essentially some methodologies to help you with with your situation, your conditions. But it was more for you an act to do what somebody else was telling you to do, not a commitment from yourself to help yourself. So in essence, when they say heal yourself, whenever they talk about mental health, you have to have a willingness to go through the process and in your case you were you had a willingness to act through the process for those for that period of time to feel good at certain periods of time and it was sort of working you know little bits and pieces were were getting you there but in your head you would sort of you were assigning it to someone else you were saying you can help me you can help me you can help me not yeah. i can help myself by going through this process and yeah. you can just guide me but i need to be the one who's doing doing the work and in 2020 I'm, I'm hearing that you, you've made the commitment. You said, I need to be the one to take charge of this. Correct. I need the one to step up and, and take the actions as commitment from myself, not assigning it to someone else and saying, you can help me. It's Correct. more, I can help myself,
1: but you can guide me because I'm not the expert on this. You- Correct, and, and not, you know, I know myself, but I don't know myself in res- respect of the whole world because myself... I've always been normal. So my fears and anxieties to me were just that's just who I was. Doesn't everybody, you know, have crippling anxiety? Doesn't everybody have crippling depression? And you know what I mean? And that kind of stuff. So realizing that that I was going to go within and really look at. Okay, well, why do I have anxiety? What? Now, I mean, I, I could rattle off all the things that gave me anxiety, but to really think about them in the fact that being terrified that when your spouse, girlfriend, mother, father left the house to go to the store or whatever, that they were never coming back and the intense worry of oh my goodness they're going to leave they're gone they don't love me anymore you know being able to understand where those feelings came from allowed me to understand how i needed to be able to get rid of them okay. you know so so it's kind of like you have a question you find out the answer on the test, so the answer is Wisconsin, but then you have to learn everything you can about Wisconsin to be able to fully understand what Wisconsin is. I mean, it's the same concept with everything. A tree, I mean, it's an oak tree. Okay, well, it's an oak tree. That's the answer to the question. Well, what is an oak tree and what does it do and why does it do it? So that type of process started around September, of 2020, Um, and it's just been going back and forth, getting better, worse, better, worse ever since, Um, you know, even up until days before we talked here, there was plenty of things that were finally being able to be released that I never was consciously able to tap into right and that just kept coming from trying and trying and trying and trying and if something didn't work then that's okay that's not the that's not the end you know this doctor's pill doesn't work well that's okay there are others this type of prayer didn't work well then there are others you know, um, I think we talked about before. I, I, I was raised Catholic, you know, altar boy had a wonderful experience growing up in the Catholic Church, small town in Pennsylvania. But there's no better feeling than reciting those prayers that I used to do as a kid. Now I don't think about them in the same way because when you're a child, you're just repeating and You know, and and all that kind of stuff. So to me, Jesus and God, they only lived within those four walls. And when you walked around outside, if you needed help, you went into those four walls, Mm -hmm. learning that those four walls do not contain the vastness of whatever you want to call God, Jesus, Mary, the one, the source, you know, tapping into that realization inside that all those things are great and wonderful but if i don't understand them and i don't understand myself they're not they're going to be very hard to help if that makes so, sense
0: so i want to i want to touch on that because because religion has been very important to you because faith has been very important to you between the years of we won't go before 1999 because that's when it was normal for you and all the things that you were experiencing was normality, and therefore the faith and your religion was all a meshed part of that whether it was helpful or not helpful it was simply a part of that whole but after 1999-2000 before 2020 when you accepted the responsibility of your own health was faith and religion to you a crutch as in something to fall on to to hold yourself up on on times or was it actually something deep and inside that sort of helped you stay up even though the things you were going through was part of it let's say an act or part of i'm letting some i'm externalizing my my self-help by letting somebody else dictate do this do this and you'll be better was religion that form of a crutch, or was it something more powerful inside you that was one of those impetus, one of those driving forces that said, keep going, keep going, you'll get there eventually? How did you, between the 2000 and 2020, how was it for you then? And then, I know I'm giving you a two-part question that's very funny. Okay. After 2020, how has faith and religion maintained you and your push to move forward?
1: Oh, that's that's actually... A great thing to to talk about because, like, when I first started going into the hospital in two thousand, you know, right around there, um, it was right after, you know, kind you know kind of a bad divorce. You know, I mean, I already had all all kinds of anxiety symptoms and and worries and all that other kind of stuff. And when when the divorce happened, that was just the catalyst. That was like, you know, we're we're gonna tear open this wound right now and let's start, you know? So when I, after I first got divorced, I started attending mass regularly and it wasn't so that I could learn the stories. It wasn't so that, you know, I would be around a bunch of people because I never really wanted to be talked to. I always wanted to be within myself, but there was always something about the beauty of the art and the beauty of the solemnness of, of a church, and it, it didn't really matter what church, it could have been Catholic, Presbyterian, you know, whatever. There, there's something innately beautiful about being present in the building that was very relaxing. It was it was kind of like my first step into meditation. That's how I I would kind of think about it, because then I started doing things like the rosary a lot. So, you know, um, I can't do anything halfway. Um, So like when I started doing the rosary, you know, I ended up with like 15 rosaries. (laughs) You, You know, I had friends that were traveling overseas. I said, oh, when you stop in Rome, I want a rosary, you know, from from John Paul II, you know, from the Vatican. And they, you know, brought. so it was like all these little special meanings. So it was, you know, my first step into, I know that everything that I need is somewhere inside me. I need to figure out either who do I talk to or how do I get to that spot. So those first two or three years, we would go and see priests at that were like retired and like 80 years old and, you know, they would do the different sacraments that we did always as kids and all that kind of stuff. And was it the same? No, not, it's never the same as when you were younger, but there was that core part of it that I knew I was safe. You know, it's church. Church. And not so much religion as a whole, mm-hmm. but the act of being in a relaxed, very solemn, quiet, calming place was so new because I spent almost all my time worrying. I, I had no safe, calm space because bef- even before even at home, I worried all the time about what was going on outside the window, and these were some of the first steps of allowing myself to be alone, to be within myself, and you know, start start the ball rolling. And in around two thousand and three, I, I didn't have a great job. Um, you know, was spending lots of money on rent and child support and car payment and all that other kind of stuff. And I went to the local hospital, which was a Catholic hospital. And they had, uh, it's Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, Novena, where you went every day for nine days. Um, so I, I had my, my special rosaries. And I would go to the chapel at the church. And if I completed all nine days, it was kind of like a, not a video game, but it was kind of like a, you had an incentive. Mm -hmm. You bought this beautiful poster of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is just a a beautiful image artistically. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm going to make it every day because I want this picture. Going back from till childhood, I collected uh, religious Pictures and poems and all that kind of stuff. So that was very close to my heart. I love that stuff. Well, in the middle of the novena, I, I thought to myself, you know, things have been crazy. I, you know, I'm not getting anywhere job wise. Um, there's only so many things I can do in this world. One talk, two photograph. Um, you know what I mean? Do art and you know and all that kind of stuff. So I I just said you know i'm going to do these novenas and i really want i want help please help me it was just like a request that i said that was very heartfelt and it wasn't like oh i want money cuz i want to go to this concert it was please help me i don't know where i'm supposed to be i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing everything i've known before is gone i still have all the crazy anxiety and worry and the novena got done, and it was probably less than less than six months, maybe even shorter. Um, I had answered an ad in the newspaper for a job, which was like a dream job for me. I met someone that I thought was great, you know what I mean? But being shy and all that other kind of stuff, it was like, oh, you know, what do you do? And within, you know, less than six months, I had the job and around the same time had the gal, (laughs) Um, you know, so it was almost like, you know, one of those movies they put up to inspire you or, or, you know, or something like that. It just all of a sudden happened. Right. And I know there's a thousand different names for what you could call what happened The only thing that I would like, that I like to call it, I like to call it, I asked, and the right things came to me. You you know what I mean? Because I didn't ask for something specific. I didn't say, you know, oh, I, I want, you know, I want this specific job. I want this specific girl or this specific car. I just wanted to be better. I just wanted to be like everybody else, I, I,
0: you know, I guess happy. Um, so when you did the novena, did it put you in a positive mental state? Did it, did it help you? Were you more relaxed? Were you more comfortable with yourself at that point in time? And for the extended period of time beyond it, you sort of, I know you had your picture, so you'd won that, that must've made you feel good <laughs> yeah. because you got your, you got the picture that you had wanted to. Um, but were you in a really positive place? Because, It might be, as much as it's serendipity that allowed these things to occur the way they did, um, you might almost assume that you were also in a good place yourself. And that may have been precipitous in somebody seeing you for an interview for the job and saying, this guy's in a really great place. I like his attitude. I like his spirit. I like what's, what's going on inside because even the voice that you don't use, the inner voice that's inside you, people can see it even if they don't hear it. And they read it, It, it's read into your character when you meet somebody for the first time on the street. And the way they look at you and the way they'll say hi, immediately triggers responses in your brain, electrochemical responses that say, you either like them or there's something off. And more than likely you were projecting, I'm good with the world, I'm happy, I'm, I'm, I'm positive and calm and everything is okay. And people saw that and went, you know what? I like him, he's good with the world, he's positive, he's calm, and the same with the relationship. The woman that you wanted, you put out vibes that said, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not desperate. I'm good. I know what's what is and what's not supposed to happen. And that's more than likely the driving force behind it. It could also be uh, the work that you did with the novena because faith allows for things to happen in a positive mm-hmm. manner, not
1: because you asked for it, but because it's meant to be, right? Correct. So I, I absolutely agree with the first statement as I was in a place that was so positive, and it wasn't just the no. It wasn't just the novena. It was all of the little steps, um, like reading more about religion and history. Whether that was just straight Catholicism or Protestants or Hinduism, you know what I mean. Really starting to learn more about the world that wasn't based in fear inside my you know, so it's, I absolutely 100% agree when you say, did it, was it just you and they saw something in you because you were putting out that vibe? Absolutely, because um, I know at the time I was not medicated um, in any way. I had gotten off my medications because I I had thought that I was better. Um, the only thing that getting off medicine did um, was allow me to stay up longer and later um, because a lot of the medicines, you know, calm you down and bring you down and, and that kind of stuff. But it was absolutely the change in my biofield, uh, my energy, my smile, my eyes, body language, whatever that made the difference. Going to mass or going to the novena or just praying the rosary at night before I went to bed, giving myself the time to go within. And like we said before, use that learning experience to start to heal. So, yeah, I mean, whether I was meditating or someone does yoga or running, I mean, there's athletes that, you know, that is their, you know, they could run for, you know, 100 miles, not only because they're in physical shape, but because they're okay within themselves. They don't have the extra baggage. I mean, I'm sure some of them do, you know what I mean? But you can do great things by simply believing that you can do great things. Exactly, yeah. So,
0: a question again, I'll come back. I'm, I'm going to be on religion for a little bit here. Oh, that's okay. No, I'm. Um, for you, I'm because of everything that we talked about before and because of the things that you've mentioned today about the um, the fears of abandonment, people would leave, the, you know, go shopping and you'd think they're never coming back. Uh, you know, people go out to just get the mail from the mailbox and your immediate response, mental response to that is that they're never coming back they're gone forever and I'm, I'm lost and what the hell is going to happen next yeah would you say that faith that your belief in religion was one of the few things in your life that never went away you oh. never worried about it leaving you it was always there for you no matter when you looked for it it was there there it is you didn't have to think it's gone where did it go because it was always there it was always with you so would you say that that was one of the strengths of your faith, of your, of your belief systems that carried you forward? That it was one of those things that wasn't leaving you. And you could then say, okay, everything isn't leaving. Everything isn't going away. If this doesn't,
1: maybe other things aren't. Right? Yes. Ab- absolutely, 100%. And that started from the time the abuse ended. That belief that everything would be okay because of my faith. I mean, faith, blind faith is one thing. Um, Real faith is another. Mm -hmm. I have real faith that everything in my life will be okay. I could be bankrupt tomorrow. I could lose a leg the next week. Everything will be okay. I have always had that mentality since I was seven. And yes, that mentality many, many times over kept me going because that little bit of something that you know is never going to go away. Your, your eyesight can fail. Your hair can fall out. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Those tangible things can go away faith and trust in your heart, you can always get back to, you you know what I mean? You, you, we live in tornado country here in the middle of Illinois and the whole house could be blown down. But if I'm alive and my children and my, and my family is alive, I know everything will be okay. Even if I lost some of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, being, You know, in in my middle 50s, there's plenty of relatives that I've, you know, lost in my lifetime. I know that I will be okay. I know that the world will be okay. Even the world we live in right now, I have no negative emotion about it. Do I like a lot of it? No. Do I love a lot of it? Yes. But I know that everything will be okay. So you hit it right on the head that knowing in faith has driven me for, you know, 50 years basically and even more so since 2000 because before it was it was a knowing that I had inside that I could always go and talk to Mary or Jesus or you know get the little prayer book out and look at it and pray that knowing was always inside but until you go inside and embrace that knowing or that knowledge every single day until it just becomes a matter of fact that you just know that no matter what everything will be okay so yeah absolutely i hope that answered what you
0: it, it absolutely did so okay. at any point in time did you did you have did you question it when you started to go inside and you looked at the faith did you ever did you ever have honest questions about it? You know, where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this way? Is there is there something that makes sense about this? Did you ever have? And I'll use Tennyson's quote: "Honest doubt." Yeah. Did you no. ever have honest doubt about about how you felt and how how it was connected to your life? No, n- not in that
1: respect. the 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 doubts came from. And really, I think it was a little bit of a programming when you get into mental health things and you start seeing the psychiatrist and the psychologist, uh, they're coming from a certain angle and, uh, you know, they, they have their books and, you know, if you fit these guidelines and you take this medicine for me, the doubt came in, will we ever find the right combination of medicines that will make me not so anxious that I have to take, you know, three anxiety pills today and, and walk around like a zombie, or am I ever going to get to the point where they're, where they're going to get me the medicine so that I'm not depressed? You know what I mean? Because it's like this vicious cycle. You, you know, you're anxious and scared. And I believe that proceeds depression. Right. It, because you're you get depressed because of the anxiety and the fear, whatever that fear happens to be about. So no, there was no doubt ever, ever in my brain and in my heart, my heart of hearts, there was no doubt uh, about my faith and, and religion. Now, now, how about this? My faith, my uh, opinion of organized religion over the years has changed. Yes. I can appreciate it for what it is but I have evolved past being a someone that has to quote scripture if that makes sense. Yep. I, I I don't feel I need to quote anything because I already know it in my heart. Right. I may not know the words that you know the words but I can tell you from my heart exactly what it means. So that belief and that philosophy is, has always 100%. I mean, and if that is an important note for anyone who is watching or listening, that was a key in my development mentally and emotionally and, and, and getting better. That has always been never, I mean, you have doubts, you yep. know, I mean, that kind of stuff. But really in your core, you know, ne- never doubting in your core, no matter how bad the day is, the next breath could always be a better one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not even going to say the next minute, the next day, because that next filling of lungs in your filling of air in your lungs could be the switch that goes, ah, this is, this is what's happening with this little piece of information. You know, you know, it's like, it's like getting that little light bulb, you know, and that opportunity comes every time you breathe, because if you believe that you have until the day you stop breathing to, uh, to make a difference in your own life. And you don't have to make a difference in everyone else's life. But as soon as you make a difference in your own life, you're automatically going to make a difference in others. So,
0: Now, one one thing I want to note, and it's also as important as, as the core faith that you have, at no point in time have you said that you look to anyone to fix you, that you needed to be Fixed that there was an end to the process. You have never said that. No, I've listened. I've allowed you to speak through it, and I thought, am I going to hear you say that? I, you know, I took this medication so that I would be fixed, so that it would be cured, so that it would be done. I'd be done with it. You've never said that. And what is striking about that? There are so many people that have this belief, and it's incredulous that they carry it with them. That what's wrong with them is they're broken, and that it needs to be fixed. Yeah. That whatever's going on in their head is wrong and it can be corrected. That there is an end state to the process because whatever's happened in the beginning can all be bundled up into a little envelope and shipped someplace and now you're normal. Yeah. All of those constructs, all of that that nonsense, I know I'm possibly using an incorrect word. In this, uh, it's okay. I wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> is it, it is more impactful on people that are going through things like you have gone through than, than anything else, because they have a sense that I can be fixed. I'm broken. I can be fixed. And it's not the case. You are never broken. You are never in a in a situation where there's something in you that can be taken out, and now you're better. There is no cure. What there is is a realization, as you've come to, that, you have processes that occur that what you had originally thought was normal, you know, this is the way everything is, is actually impactful on others around you. And that by realizing it and and going through the process of self-actualization, self-realization, allowing yourself to experience and, and accept, and as you've mentioned earlier, forgiving both yourself and anyone else that was impacting around you, you are becoming a human being that then can be positively impactful on others around you. And it's a continuous growth process. You are never done. You are never done. You haven't said that you're done. You haven't said that you're gonna be done. You have never looked at it as, you know, by Thursday next week, I'm finished. I'm here. I'm gonna run through the finish line, you know, and I'll, I'll, you
1: know, snap the little ribbon. And then I pass the bar exam. I can (laughs) be a lawyer now, I pass the bar exam. You know, it's it's funny, Stefan. I I think about it this way, and this was what coming to my brain when you were talking. When, when you know that it's always going to be a learning process, that doesn't mean that things you felt last week you have to feel this week. That just means that the things you felt last week you have learned from those things. They have been pulled into your body and into your psyche and into your mind and your soul and and that kind of stuff. Every experience you have, whether that's walking down the street, going to a movie, going to a concert, or sitting here talking to someone like yourself one-on-one will change the course of your mind every single moment. So, no, I will never be done because We're designed to never stop learning. And when we stop learning, when we allow, and and this is a bad, not a bad word, when we allow ignorance to take over and just say, well, this is the way things are. This is the way things they will always be. And I'm either going to be fixed or I'm going to suffer forever. That's complete nonsense because I can look at you straight in the eyes and say, I am not fixed. I'm not going to be fixed. But I have had more glorious days in my life over the last three years, basically, you know, September or so, 2020, than I had in my entire lifetime. And I don't mean like, oh, I got to go see, you know, Led Zeppelin in concert, and that was my favorite band. I mean, simply looking around at my children, my parents, my sisters, somebody at the grocery store, and knowing that they are the same, but different human specimen that you are. And if I'm suffering today and I'm being a grump, and then they look at that and say, oh, well, that per- person's a complete you know, donkey. Uh, you have portrayed yourself to them as that. And they will always, in 10 years, they may not, not think, oh, this guy at the grocery store I met, but that has imprinted upon them. So knowing that every day, even though someone is not having a good day, That doesn't mean tomorrow they're not going to have a good day. And as soon as everybody realizes that as soon as you say, oh, I'm in the present, you're already in the past because your future is only determined by yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I can either sit here and wallow and say I'm never going to be fixed or I can say, you know what? I'm never going to be fixed. And that's okay because it gives me an opportunity to learn every single day just how great it is to be alive and in this world. And when you come at it with that attitude, you're going to smile at the people at the grocery store more than with your eyes down being a complete grump. You are going to see someone's eyes light up when you hold the door for them, chivalry is not dead. It doesn't matter if they're an old man, a young man, an old lady, a young lady, or a 10 year old kid, you have given that person love. You you have loved them without even knowing them by simply being kind. So every day is a new day to learn new kindness. And I'll I'll never stop learning. And and I believe even after I'm gone, I still will never stop learning. You know, why do I feel this way? I don't know. Maybe it's because of years and years and years of not really learning. You know what I mean? Being stuck in the same pattern. You know, you you did things more because you were afraid someone was going to be upset more than for the feeling you got in your heart. Just for holding the door or saying, can I help you with something? Or, you know, there's a mom with three kids and somebody drops something on the floor, you go and pick it up. It's a simple, it's just these simple little things. Every, everything is not as complicated as the world makes it to be. Yeah. I I guess that's the best answer. (laughs) And and the one thing I want
0: to, and I won't say correct you on because there's no, there's no correct, but you had said that you're not, you're not fixed and you're okay with not being fixed. And I don't look at it that way. I look at it as you're different, I'm oh, different. Yeah, We're okay. always going to learn and continue to be different. And the learning opportunities are there in front of us. Now we can accept them as they come at us at every moment. We can see them and, and play a part of it, or we can ignore them. And, you know, as you said that the word ignorant, we can be ignorant to some things, that's not helpful. Yeah. Um, but I would say, there's nothing broken
1: about you. Yeah, no, say that there's guess, a difference. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, uh, not a uh, correction, because yeah, you're right. That wasn't the right word. It, it's not. It's not about being broken and not being able to be fixed. It's more about the knowing that I'm okay with who I am. And I am learning every day to be a better me. And if a better me means I have to show someone love and kindness rather than being a jerk or, hmm. or angry, I mean, you know, we all have yep. bad days. Yep. You know, and you're in the car or whatever. There's nothing, there's not many things in this world that are worth being so upset that you can't eventually get back to being loving and yep. caring and kind. Even the, even the most horrific things that you can go through. And I don't even, to me, what I went through, you know, felt horrific. But then when you look in the broad spectrum of things, was it really that horrific? Well, no. Uh, I mean, yes and no. It, it, it depends on your yep. personality, how you yep. were born, you know what I mean, how you deal with things. Things happened, and they happened for a reason, the reason being that was my experience. That's how I judge the world, and that has brought me to this place and how I judge the world today.
0: Right. Um, One thing that came to mind while we were talking about this is I recall, I think it was a few years ago, there was a commercial on television about a person's walking along and they're sort of upset and they bump into somebody and they make some remark. And then the person they bumped into looks in their hands and they're holding this black sphere. And then they go along their day a little bit and they do something, they bump up, they see something and they yell. And when they do that, the person they've just done it to look in their hands and they've got this black sphere. And it happens over and over until a point where somebody comes along and they're, they bring, they've got a black sphere and they bring it into the house and they've got a room full of black spheres. And they decide, you know what? I've had enough of this. And they start painting them yellow. And they uh-huh. paint all these sunshiny yellow spheres up. And then they start walking around and handing them out to people. And it basically, it's a smile and here you go. And a smile and people take the yellow sphere and they're like, oh, happy day. And they yeah. walk along and they hand it off to somebody else. And it's basically, it's what you said encapsulated in imagery that you can be grouchy and that, that attitude impacts others, that will impact others, that will impact others. They will carry that that uh, negativity yeah. through the con- con- connections that they make with others. In the same vein though, if you're nice, if you open a door, if you smile, if you say, hello, here, let me get that for you, that will be paid forward, so to speak, as other people, like, you know, I recall historically, I was in a parking lot and I was not in a very good mood. And I saw a car approaching me in the parking lot and I went, oh no, and I was getting upset. I'm thinking, I don't want to talk to these people. And this elderly woman gets out of the car. Can you help me? I think I'm lost. As soon as she spoke, it was like, yes, I can, yes. And I came over and I showed her where she was and I showed her on the map. And when she left, she was happy. And I had this warm sensation of, wow. I just did something nice and I'm berating myself because I started out this, almost started this conversation negatively. Yeah. But then something took over and I went, no, I'm going to be nice. And I did nice and it made me feel good. She left happy and she got to her destination. Probably spread a, spread a story about this kind young gentleman that I don't know who helped me on my way. And here I am thinking, wow, it felt better to be nice than to be, I'm not helping you and get in my car and drive off. So, you yeah. know, the sharing, this, this distribution of kindness, of, of love. Is self fulfilling. It really is. I mean, as I've, I've
1: experienced it, and I'm sure you do every day that you oh, yeah. do something like that. And 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 that's so important for people to understand. I think. I mean, I you know, I'm all about you know kindness and love, even to a fault. Uh, you know, there's people in this world that do really really horrible things, and will I never condone it? No. Do I have to be nice to them? No. But. I am not going to allow myself to experience a overwhelming negative feeling because of what someone else has done. Right. You know, even if they did it to me. Allowing that hate is, is, is the, the best word I can come with. Allowing yourself to be angry and ugly and, and hateful and you're right. It just passes it along. It passes it along to your children. It passes it along to your spouse. It passes it along to your to your boss. It passes it along to you because the more you hate others or are hateful, this is my opinion, the more you are hateful towards others, the less good you feel about yourself <laughs> because you just said it. You were angry. You did not want to talk to somebody. I've been in that position like, oh my, can Can I just get a minute to myself, you know, for crying out loud and you just want to scream. And then as soon as you flip that switch and you were kind and you helped this elderly woman and it could have been a 20 something year old guy. It could have been a punk rocker or, or, you know, or, or, you know, whatever. It could have been anyone. And the fact that kindness was used instead of anger literally changed you inside at that moment. Now, were you, were you is, is everyone able to hold on to those moments when they're far and few between for weeks and weeks at a time? Of course not, they, they last, your brain goes to doing other things and all that kind of stuff. But if you have a day full of those moments and then two days, and then a week full of those moments, those moments will just happen and you won't even think about it. It, it, it just will happen. The same thing happens with anger. It becomes so unconscious, you know, so the, the healing mentally, because depression, sadness, you know, all those sorts of things are kind of an anger that you have with yourself. You have a self-loathing, a self-hatred, which makes you depressed. Because if you are truly happy, and, and happy is not even... I think the best word, if you truly were kind to yourself, forgave yourself, even if you were a jerk yesterday, (laughs) you know, today I'm not going to be a jerk. I I let that jerk go. That, That jerk is gone. I forgive him. You know, let's try and do better today. I know it sounds like preaching. And it's really hard when you're trying to learn it but i can promise the more that you the more that you try and learn it and that you don't give up the ultimately the better it will be because it's not like you're giving up on the world because the world is just how you perceive it like right now i'm listening to birds in my yard i can hear them chirping and stuff like that and it's the most beautiful lovely thing in the it just that little bit that little moment that there's many, many people who struggle mentally. And I did. So I've been there. You don't hear those birds anymore. And if you do, you don't hear them the same way, you know? So being able to bring that love, that forgiveness, that kindness into yourself will just you'll just lay it out, you know, for, for others.
0: That's, that's, I hear, I hear that. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, I like the idea of being able to forgive yourself for being a jerk, what my add on a caveat I get would be. And because I'm human, I know maybe down the line a couple of days, maybe next, next 15 minutes, I might be a jerk again. But what it means is, is that that's just me. And I can forgive that. And I don't have to be it all the time. And the more I do, the more activities to not be that jerk, the less likely I'm going to be it more frequently, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, that absolutely. It's kind of like if I if I put a skip in my step every once in a while, the first little while it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel awkward. You know, why, what am I doing? What is this? This step doesn't feel right. But the more I do it, it's almost going to become second nature. This is the way I walk now. I walk with a skip in my step because... It's just the way I walk now. And the same probably is true that the less jerk-like you act, (laughs) to to just put it in that context, the less likely you're going to act that way. But part of that process is to forgive the fact that you were that way and and to allow for the fact that's me. That was me. I'm not going to say I hated that part of me. That's just who I am. Just who you are and and it changes to externalize it and say the world is going to judge me by it no it's not the world They'll has forgive. you in it you are part of it yeah. the world makes no judgment call because you can be a jerk in the world and the world doesn't care you can be the happiest person in the world world doesn't care but the people around you will see it and you inside will see it and that's yeah. the important part and for you as part of this our conversation <laughs> it's that internal acceptance and happiness. That you're saying has helped you and continues to help you move forward, to continue to give you that that hope and that desire to be a better version of yourself, because, you know, you'll have your down days. You cool. have had, you know, I'm, I listen to the birds and it's like, oh, shut up. Yeah. And you know that you, that's not the response you want to give, but that's where you feel today and to allow yourself, you know, what. I'm going to just take a take a breather here for a minute, and I'm going to let myself feel kind of it, and then I'm going to kick myself in the ass and pick myself up, and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to smile. Again. I'm going to I'm going to give myself yeah. a smile. I'm going to walk out the door, and I'm going to listen to the birds and be okay. I'm happier now. I'm
1: happier. Yeah, and that's really self forgiveness. You have self forgiveness in, in a way you you're not forgiving yourself for being yourself. That's not what I'm saying. You're not allowing not I want to say not allowing things to get you down. I mean, just because something happened yesterday doesn't mean it's going to happen today and it doesn't mean that you can't make it better today. Could it be worse today? Absolutely. Could it be better? Absolutely. But allowing yourself to just experience what is
0: Absolutely appreciate everything that you've said and everything that you are, and I hope this continues, and I hope to hear more from you because, as I said, you are a guide in this process. I would not say that lightly, and I hope you continue to guide as well as to grow yourself and to move uh, forward. That's that's
1: my plan. That's <laughs> my plan for sure. All right. Okay, well, well thank, thank you, you very much. much. You have a nice thank night. You.